If you happen to have a financial question for Pega Bruce, you can call this number 24-7-888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But during the show, and we urge you to do so, call or text our studio line at 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Hello to you both. Good morning, Denny. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Uh, hello, Denny Long. Good to hear your voice, my friend. Um, Denny, today, uh, and, and listeners, Peg and I, we're going to talk about something called the sandwich generation. You may have heard that term before. You may have heard us discuss it on this program before. But, Peg, before we dive into the topic, I just I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention the tragedy going on in, in Israel and got the Gaza Strip and whatnot, um, the, the, the war, it's a little over a week old now. We did talk about it briefly last week also, but I, I just feel like we can't not mention it. Your thoughts? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I'm just saddened by what I'm seeing on the television and, and uh, can't even fathom that it's real. Uh, there's also, you know, people in the United States that have family um, there. And just to hear the tragedy of it all is, it's, I'm beside myself that in today's world that this is happening. Like, why can't people get along? Why can't they um, make resolutions together? I just feel like this is the modern world. It's, it feels like we've gone backwards, Bruce. Yeah, it's 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 tragic, and and the 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 human suffering, the loss of life, and again, so much of it, um, innocent civilians, children. It's not even you know, it's not military. A lot of it is innocent people, human shields. I mean, it's just it's just crazy, and it saddens me. And 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 again, I I just felt like we had to mention it. And you know, the other war that still goes on. It's been about a year and a half. But the war, you know, continues. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. That conflict continues. And just brief segue, because uh, I, I think the human element is the important part. And I think sometimes when we talk about the economics, it can seem insensitive. But a lot of people listening to this show are listening because they want to talk, you know, talk, want us to talk about financial issues. So the impact of these wars on the global markets or directly to the listener, your retirement plan, your 401k, your, your investments. Um, when the war first broke in, in Ukraine, um, it had a huge negative impact on the markets. And I think, Peg, it's really twofold. Number one, there's this emotional element, right? When people are, are fearful because something bad happens in the world, then they think, you know, markets are, are, are going to retract, and, and they often do, and people get skittish and nervous and pull money out of the market. And there's, there's an emotional component to the reaction of the, of the global economy. But there's also a practical one. We've <laughs> talked about this before. For, for example, I didn't know this until the war started, but Ukraine is a very fertile country, supplies, I, I think I, I want to say, 13% of the world's food supply. So the economic impact all these countries that import food from Ukraine suddenly couldn't do that, and so there was an economic impact. Well, now it's been a year and a half, and countries have adapted and figured out other ways to import the food they need and, and whatnot. 
But again, I, I don't I don't want to seem trite. I think we have to mention the economics because that's what people want us to talk about. But again, the, the much more important element in both of these wars is the tragic impact on 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 the, on the human condition. Can you imagine if that was happening here? If our neighbors and people we knew were being kidnapped and killed in America? I mean, it's just it it freaks me out to think about what's going on. Um, uh, in Israel right now. You know, you just saying that just made me just uh, tremble. I mean, because that's what happens is when you, when you put yourself in other people's shoes, like we do when we coach people all day long, you know, just you saying that I've, I've not heard anybody saying that out loud. Like if that were you and, and something were happening is my neighbors, I'm kind of wondering how I would react. Like, would I like charge in there or would I go hide? I mean, I I, I don't know when I'm looking at it on the television. I, you know, I just feel like those people don't have any solution. Like, what are you going to do? You know? So um, thanks Bruce for bringing that up and making me put myself in there, those people's shoes, because I think even though I was compassionate, now I feel like I'm tremendously passionate uh, about you know we need to stop this yeah well um i don't know how it resolves itself it's got a long way to go you know time will tell and we'll you know the the things that are impactful to the economic situation as this progresses we'll make sure we mention them uh, on this program so let's segue into our topic i i kind of teased it up front we're going to talk about peg the sandwich generation remind our listeners what we mean by that and why it's important and why we're going to talk about this today. You know, we've, <clears throat> we've been talking about this of my entire career uh, called the sandwich generation. And I think, you know, as I define this, um, it used to be kind of in the olden days. And, and I would say that you and I, Bruce, um, kind of fit in those days because we can look back now <laughs> quite a few decades, right? And, you know, when I was born, when I was born, you know, families were having lots of children. So I'm one of seven. Uh, And and as time has gone on, not only are people having less children, but they're also waiting to have children for a lot longer uh, than we did. And so I bring that up because the sandwich generation is actually a generation where you're sandwiched between your aging parents, um, you know, taking care of them and taking care of your own children. And why I brought up our time frame, Bruce, is because um, it, you know, my generation, um, my mom is 85, and I'm not going to say my age, but um, you know, there's there's I have brothers and sisters that are already retired and she's only 85, you know? So when you think about that, she had the kids young, but then in my case, um, you know, I had my daughter young and now, you know, when she's, she's now 40 and I've got a one and a half year old grandchild. Now you see the difference in that. Um, And so we talk about the sandwich generation because there's still a lot more people out there that are taking care of their parents, but yet they might have a little bit more time, Bruce, than when I'm looking out to the future, like how are they all going to be taken care of? Because, 
you know, the um, they're having their kids later and their grandchildren later. Well, and, and again, the, the practical reason why we talk about this is if I'm someone, if I'm a baby boomer and I'm in this sandwich generation and I feel compelled to help my aging parents, financial and otherwise, and I still haven't launched my kids and I'm still helping them financially, do those commitments drag from my assets and my ability to save and invest and put money away for my own retirement? Is this going to delay my retirement, or is this going to negatively impact my enjoyment of, of retirement or my lifestyle at retirement because I'm committing to these two generations, one a generation older than me, one a generation younger than me? And that, that's why we talk about it, and that's why it's relevant to a show like Your Money where we're talking about economics and personal finance. Peg? Well, we also see, Bruce, is um, the the children that are taking care of their parents that are our clients. And so um, and what, what I'm witnessing, and I don't know if you are, Bruce, but a lot of times it is the older children because they may be, you know, already retired. And it might be... Um, there, there, there's one per one child or two children that live in close proximity because what's happened, Bruce, we all live all over the United States or we might even year, uh, live abroad. So the ones that are closest, you know, to the aging parent tend to get the duties of that. <clears throat> but still, uh, there's a financial part to it, too. And so in, in a lot of cases, when I talk to my clients, they have a child that might be doing the actual care. And, and I'm not talking about like full-time care yet. I'm just talking about taking them to the doctor or, you know, going to get hearing aids or something like that. There's a person. But then there's also other children that help out financially. So there's, you know, what I witness is a true balancing act where my, one might be doing the physical um, driving and, and, you know, maybe helping make meals or something, and then other ones are trying to be supportive by giving some money. Bruce? You know, and the other part of this, and I think this is kind of what you were alluding to when you mentioned your mom and, and your daughter and your, and your grandchild, and um, we are still, despite the, the pandemic and the opioid epidemic, which has had negative impact on longevity, we are still living longer than previous generations due to advances in technology and you know medical advances and whatnot. And, and, and so the examples I often say when I talk to clients or in, in a moment like this or in speaking engagements, my grandpa on my mom's side retired at 65 and he passed away at 72. So he needed money at retirement for seven years. My own parents, my mother died at 65, my dad died at 71. So, you know, hopefully at my age, I still have a lot of years left and I haven't gotten to retirement yet. But the, but the point here is, is that while it's a blessing in many ways that we're living longer than previous generations and we get to pursue our passions longer, enjoy our kids, grandkids and great grand, grandkids longer, it also means our money has to last longer than previous generations. So that's a challenge and a blessing at the same time. And that's all part of this stuck in the middle sandwich thing that we're talking about, Peg. 
Yeah, and um, <clears throat> I'd love to get listeners involved in this conversation, too. Like if you're experiencing taking care of an older parent and your small children or young adults are still at home, you know, how are you supporting them? Because the next thing we're going to talk about here, and if you want to text or call in the studio line, 651-461-9226, I'd love to hear from people because the next thing we're going to talk about is how does that affect you kind of financially for your own uh, independence that you want to get to. Maybe you're still working, you're juggling your home care. Um, I know from clients that these kids are definitely still um, need some support, you know, and, and, and I truly blame like inflation and the costs of everything. And, um, you know, it starts with the college costs being so high and we coach our clients on, you can't pay for this whole thing. You understand the detriment of your retirement or how much longer you're going to have to work if you're going to pay for, you know, your children to go through college. And then um, it's very difficult because even if you're working, taking all that time off. I mean, if you tally that and maybe you've exhausted your PTO uh, and now you have to take time off without pay, Um, then that hurts your contributions to your 401k. Bruce, it's a real ripple effect. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and again, it ends up this impacting really everybody, even if you're not someone that's in this uh, sandwich situation, it's still going to be impactful because uh, the decisions that, and and the things that the sandwich generation are doing are going to affect the economy, are going to affect consumer spending, are going to affect the markets, are going to they're going to affect GDP. So there there is absolutely an economic effect to all this. Um, Peg, I was thinking, you know, when you again you mentioned um, your mom and and uh, your siblings and how you had uh, uh, became a parent young. I'm actually a little bit the opposite of that. I didn't have children. Till I was 34. My my oldest is uh, uh, was born when I was 34, and I will volunteer my age because I'm a lot older than you are. I don't care. People know uh, my daughter's 30, and and I'm 64. And with my kids, I've been very fortunate that they've take they've made good decisions, taken good paths, and they're independent. They're launched. They don't. Not only do they not need my help, they actually don't want my help because they want to make it on their own. And I think that's admirable and I, and I respect that. A lot of times I want to do things for them or I want to give them something. And they're like, dad, no, I, we, you know, don't. You don't have to do that. That's very nice, it's very generous, but don't do that. So I'm not in the sandwich generation. My, my, my folks are gone. My kids really don't need my help. So I'm very fortunate that way. But again, a lot of my clients are stuck in this, in this sandwich and my and and we, you talked about the economic impact. So my advice to them uh, is always: Look, I know you love your parents and you love your kids and you want to help, but you're my client. My job is to give the best advice I can to you for you. And maybe sometimes you gotta you gotta cut the apron string or show some tough love. And you can't always bail your kids out when they want you to bail them out. Maybe they have to make it on their own for their own good and then for your economic benefit as well. So, and that's a tough thing to tell someone and they don't always follow that advice. But again, my job is to advise my client 
for their economic success, their, their kids and their parents probably are not my client. And not that I don't care. I care what my client cares about, but my job is to try to do the best I can for my client. I love that you say that because I, I often talk about couples, you know, coming in for their reviews or we do a lot of virtual today and, you know, they're not necessarily on the same page because it might be like my mom, but it's not my husband's mom. And, you know, one wants to go on the two week trip, but she feels or he feels like he can't go. I mean, we sit at this table, right, or, or on the video and that's part of our job, too. We kind of walk through the pros and cons and not that we're, uh, you know, marriage counselors by any means. But uh, we also give coaching on, you know, if it is stressful, maybe, you know, you try to incorporate in another sibling because I do feel like the, the oldest one usually takes the most responsibility and then it has a hard time delegating, you know, if there's a need. So. Uh, we also, you know, tell our clients that you got you to gotta stay healthy yourself because if you're getting pulled in all these different directions, you still got to keep on a good, healthy diet. You got to get enough sleep. You got to get exercise. Um, but then a lot of times, Bruce, they'll ask us about their parents' financial situation. So we don't have them as clients. We don't have all the information, um, you know, that they want to share with us. But generally, the reason I listen to the, the framework of that is to find out if, if they can really afford for home care or, you know, um, long-term care insurance. Do they own that? It's a general conversation because it impacts my client. If they don't have it and they don't qualify for anything, then someone's got to come up with the money um, or you know, you have to just use your money until you run out. And then uh, that's in a very emotional situation too, Bruce. Yeah, you know, what just occurred to me, Peg, and, I, and Denny, we know we, we've only got a couple more minutes. And again, we'll have a lot of time in the second half of the show to get listeners' uh, calls and texts and questions. But Peg, it occurs to me what, what, what this really boils down to, and this is not on our outline, it just hit me now, it really gets down to financial prioritization. You and I can talk to people about all these great ideas. You should have life insurance. You should have long-term care. You should put money in a Roth IRA. You should participate in your company 401k plan. You should have disability income. You know, all these great financial ideas, but people have a limited amount of resources. They don't have an unlimited amount of money to do every good idea that might exist out there, or they don't have an unlimited amount of money to help their parents and to help their kids. So how do you prioritize? I think that's partly our job as an advisor, but at the end of the day, that also becomes a very personal decision. I've told this story before, but today's the day where it really bears repeating. I had a friend one time who's not a client, just a friend, called me up and said, Someone in my community is encouraging me to get a Roth IRA, and they're also talking about an educational IRA. Are these good ideas? And if they are, which one's better? If I can only afford to do one, which one should I do? And I explained to him what they both were and what they, what they helped you accomplish. 
But I said, if, if you have limited resources and you can only do one or the other, there isn't a better or worse. It really comes down to your priorities. If your priority is to save and invest for your retirement, then I like the Roth IRA. But if it's a priority to assist your kids with their education, then the educational IRA is a better idea. And he's like, well, you didn't really help me. I don't know what, what to do. I said, well, again, it's a very personal decision, but I will say this. If you don't fund your kids' education, they'll find a way to get it with loans and, and whatnot. But if you don't fund your own retirement, probably nobody's going to help you when you get there. So I think they ended up doing a Roth IRA. But again, how do you prioritize? It, it's, there's a lot of times with economic things like this, there are not right or wrong answers. The right answer is going to be different for each individual person. And again, our job is partly to help them figure out what their priorities are, but at the end of the day, it's their priorities. And in the sandwich generation, if they want to help parents and if they want to help kids, if that's a priority, I'll help them the best I can. But again, they're my client. Denny, I know we're almost out of time. A lot of time for listeners in the second half of the show. Absolutely, and we urge you to call us or text us your financial questions. You can uh, call or text our studio line. Here it is, 651-461-9226. Again, uh, call or text right now, 651-461-9226. We'll be back on the other side with more of your money. And if you do have a financial question for Pegger Bruce, call this number 247-8886-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But right now, we urge you to call or text our studio line during the show, and that number is 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. You can call or text right now. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb, along with the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. And those are the docile tones of Denny Long. Thank you, Denny Long. Uh, uh, listeners, if you joined us late, uh, Peg and I have been talking about the sandwich generation today. Um, we, uh, we talked about the sandwich generation or those of you out there, um, baby boomers and others who have a certain financial responsibility perhaps for aging parents as well as adult children that aren't fully launched yet, you're kind of caught in the middle, in the middle of this sandwich, and it has an economic impact on you. And as Peg mentioned, there's a ripple effect. The economic impact on you might be that you aren't saving or investing for your own retirement, for your own financial success, to the extent that you would like to or should, because you're helping others, which is your loving person and a kind person, and you want to help your kids and you want to help your parents, but it's having an impact on you, and that has an impact on all of us. Even myself, who's not a sandwich generation person, it's going to impact the markets, it's going to impact the GDP, it's going to impact almost everything with the ripple effect of the of the decisions that you're making and the behaviors that you're taking. And, and the other thing, Peg, that it mentions, we talked about this on the break that you wanted to talk about, it also probably has an impact on interest rates. You want to talk a little bit about where interest rates are at? Yeah, I wanted to mention interest rates because I still have several clients that have lots of dollars sitting in a bank. And um, I just it thought I, it reminded me this morning because one of the headlines out there is big banks benefiting from higher rates. Well, I wanted to say, 
clients and people are benefiting from higher rates. But what happens is if you have a association with a bank uh, and you've been sitting in bank with dollars, and I get it, everybody needs a ready reserve, that kind of thing. But a lot of people pile up money in the bank and, you know, it's a little bit harder today to access that money, meaning a lot of people still walk in the bank or, you know, don't necessarily know who to call if they want to transfer money and that kind of thing. Well, these banks in a lot of these savings and checking accounts pay zero, zero percent. And I get it. Our rates were zero percent for a very long time. And it didn't matter if you were paying attention to your savings and checking in a bank. But today it does matter. We um, can get, um, you know, CDs, treasuries, money markets are all north of 5%. So what a difference, right? Zero to 5%. This was impactful to me because last week when I did a review, um, a, a client said to me, oh, I still, after, after talking to her several times, oh, I still haven't moved that money. But by the way, I need to take more withdrawals from Wealth Enhancement Group because my rent just went up. I have a lot of people that are have sold their homes and, and they live either in assisted living or they just decided to rent. Uh, and so she says to me, I need another $1,000 a month. My rent went up. And I went, wait a minute. You know where that $1,000 a month is? It's in the bank. The fact that you haven't moved that money. Uh, and... It was like this money was sentimental or something like that because I think maybe she inherited it. I don't know what it was, but just I, I, it didn't bother me when it was at zero and I couldn't get anything for her anyway. But before she left uh, in that meeting, that money was getting out of the bank and earning because it said You're, that that interest alone can pay for this, um, you know, uh, extra thousand that you need. So what's happening is yes. We are getting more money on, on your money, and I'm hoping you're all taking uh, advantage of that. But the negative of that is, on the flip side, this client's rent was going up. And it, so inflation is here, and you got every listener out there, you've got to work hard to make sure every part of your safe money is making interest today. So that's my message, Bruce. Well, and just to add to that, uh, uh, Peg, and Denny tells me we've got some texts rolling in. Denny will get to those uh, as soon as possible. But I do want to comment on this interest rate thing that Peg brought up. Peg, that's a great point. I'm going to just paraphrase a little bit a question I'm getting a lot from a lot of people, clients and, and other people, just, uh, just that want to pick my brain. If I can get – and by the way, before I do that, I also wanted to go – I'm sorry, I'm all over the board here – Interest rates rising, it's always a two-edged sword, right? Those of us that are savers, it's great that we're finally making interest. I, Peg, I love getting a st statement from my bank and seeing that I actually made X amount of dollars of interest during the month as opposed to all those years where it was, you know, 0.1% and I was getting nothing. It's nice to actually be earning interest. But the point I wanted to make is um, – some people are saying, well, if I can go get 5% with no market risk, why do I need somebody like Wealth Enhancement Group? Why would I put money in the stock market where my return might not be that much higher and I have to take risk to get it? And my answer always is, 
look, I, I believe in having safe money. Peg and I talk about it on this show all the time. Short-term money should be in, in, in strategies with no risk of principal and get the highest interest rate you can. That's great. But if that's all of your money, the, the reason that interest rates are higher is because inflation is higher. As Peg said, the rent went up $1,000 a month. You're paying more for groceries right now. You're paying more for gas at the gas pump. So if you get 5% on all of your money, that's lower than the rate of inflation. So you don't have risk of principal on that money, but your rate of return is less than inflation, and you're actually losing purchasing power, and you're going backwards. So we still need exposure to stocks or and investments that potentially offer higher returns so that the total aggregate return on our money hopefully exceeds the rate of inflation and we, and we aren't losing purchasing power. So I, I like these higher interest rates, again, as a saver, and I have a lot of money that's in safe money making 5%, and I like that, but I also still have a lot of exposure to the stock market because I want my aggregate return to exceed the rate of inflation, and that's the same thing I would uh, coach people to do. Peg, you want to add to that again, or should we go to uh, Denny? Well, just super quick, um, what, uh, we, we still have an inverted curve where a, a one-year treasury or CD is um, higher rate of interest than, let's say, a 10-year or 30-year bond. And so all clients go, oh, I, I just want that one year. Um, but the problem with that is, is on the backside of that, one year is going to go very fast, and then you have to make another decision. So our general feeling is that interest rates will go lower eventually. Will it happen this year, next year? We don't know. But um, I've been laddering, like doing some one-year, two-year, three-year, sometimes five-year, so that we have some money that's locked in uh, for a little bit longer. Bruce? Yeah, um, I, I like that also, Peg. And uh, um, Danny, let's go to uh, the listeners and get some questions. And I just want to remind everybody that even though our topic today is the sandwich generation, as always, we will take any and all financial questions. If you have a question that's unrelated to the topic, that's fine. Hit us with anything. I, I can't guarantee that I'll know the right answer, but Peg probably will. Danny? All right. And uh, again, either make it a phone call or a text. You can do that right now, 651-461-9226. Here's a text, uh, Peg and Bruce. Uh, it says uh, this. My 87-year-old parent lives on her own, has a significant amount of credit card and other debt. She will soon run out of money. We've tried to talk with her for the last few years about downsizing or moving to an assisted living, which she really needs due to health issues. We do not want to assume that debt, and due to both financial and relationship issues, do not want to have her live with us. What do we do? She hints at staying with us, but has refused to have a conversation about her finances for the last two years. What do we do? Wow. Uh, well, Texter, first of all, thank you, and it's it's absolutely what we're talking about it's spot on the topic and obviously that's a tough situation peg your your first thoughts yeah that is a tough situation um well it sounds like she's coming around to um going and living in a, a facility of some type i feel for you with the debt and the credit card debt and um you know, it's too bad that you couldn't uh, have 
talked her into, you know, uh, moving sooner. Um, otherwise, as far as advice, I think you just have to continue to do what you're doing. And, you know, once if someone is that close to running out of money, of course, there are resources, depending on what state you live in, uh, for assistance. And so I, ho- I would hope that you'd go, uh, as her child, go research all of that, what the options are, if indeed she does run out of money. Bruce? Yeah, a couple thoughts, Peg, and that, and, and that is a tough one, um, really tough one. The, the, the texter also mentioned don't want to be responsible for her debt or her obligations. Peg, correct me if I'm wrong, but unless you're a joint account holder or you co-sign something, no one is responsible for anybody else's debt. I mean, if, if, if I have a relative in debt, whether it's a parent or a child, I'm not legally obligated or responsible for that debt. Now, I may want to help them because I love them and I, and I want to help but I'm not legally obligated to pay anybody else's debt. The other thing that I thought of is with regard to assisted living or whatever, you know, if you're out of money, that's where something called medical assistance or Medicaid comes in and you will be taken care of. You're not going to have to live in the streets or die in the gutter. If you don't have any money, there's, there's, there's federal assistance for you, uh, medical assistance or Medicaid. So, I, I like what you said, Peg. It sounds like mom, 87-year-old mom, is starting to be receptive to some things. And the part about refusing to talk about money or refusing to listen to any suggestions, that is all too common. As a, soci- as a society, we just often don't even talk about it. it, it you know, we, it's like a taboo subject. It's like something dirty or, or you know, bad that you're not supposed to talk about. And we need to talk about it. We need to talk about our personal financial situation with our loved ones and communicate openly and honestly. And so often, and I'm sure you see it just like I see it, Peg, so oftentimes people are not doing that. So to the texter, just keep doing what you're doing. But again, Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to worry about being responsible for mom's debt unless you're on there as a joint account holder or something. Her obligations are, are not your obligations. Peg, anything else to add? No, I would just say I'm, yeah, I'm 100% that a child does not have to pay the debt. But what they will do is if there's any values or anything, I think, you know, they're going to try to claim whatever's left to pay off that debt. So um, that would be a consideration. Yep. All right, Denny, listeners. Yes, so we have a call and we have uh, more text to, to impart here, but let's uh, hear from Pete. Pete's calling in this morning. Pete, what is your question this morning? Oh, yeah. Hi, uh, hi good morning. Um, so my question is, um, my parents have taken over my student debt in their name, but I'm, I'm making the payments on it, but it's just legally in their name to, you know, um, it was 850 a month, but it's refinanced to 450 like with with their credit anyway so um at the period where i was not just barely keeping up but i was paying uh, my parents off in earnest um i'm paying my parents thousands um at the beginning of this time and then still keeping up with the payments but so let's say the first check i handed dad was 4500 bucks and he waits 
10 months to deploy it, and he's only been paying the, the minimum the entire time, even though in the beginning of this long period I, I handed him the most cash. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, with the interest was 8% on it, uh, and I'm just wondering, and, and it was, uh, you know, probably around 50000 it's down to 46 but I'm just wondering, you know, like, if I should be upset with my dad or feel like he stole from me or something like that if he's waiting 10 months to deploy that 4500 bucks, and it's, you know, um, I feel like I'm getting killed on the, the interest. Or, 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 or what do you what do you think? How would you ever calculate that or, or settle that out? Hey, hey, Pete, um, thanks for listening and thanks for your question. Appreciate it. Peg, I got to be honest. I'm not sure if I totally followed Pete's narrative and exactly what, what his question is. What, what's your take on this? Well, I, I, I believe because the parents had better credit, you know, so the, the obligation of paying um, to refinance, and this happens a lot, too, with clients, like let's say with houses. You know, if a client has much better credit and their kid wanted a house, you know, they'll take on the mortgage per se. And then the kid has to pay them the. But in this case, they've done it where it was $850 down to $450, which is dramatic, by the way. So good job on that. But to get that, his parent had to be the owner of that debt. And so um, Pete's trying to make payments to the to the family, and but has no control if they take that entire payment and put it on that debt statement. So it sounds like it isn't. This eight percent is very concerning because you know if you don't pay it down, then you are just compounding this interest. Now, I guess my first thought when you were talking was there must be a way where you can just write the check directly to that loan. You really don't have to go to your parents. Um, you know, the, you can mail it in if you know where to mail it and, and they'll take the money and credit it. They don't care where the money's coming from. So that was my first thought um, about that. And then I think you really have to have a heart to heart about this. Um, I actually think number one will work, but you have to have a heart to heart with your parents and just say, I can't be left with this. If something happened to them, which God forbid, hopefully not, but you're not obligated um, to actually pay that if they have that loan in their name. Bruce? Yeah, I'm glad you understood it better than I did. And and it sounds like, you know, Pete has some, there's some hard feelings here and some distrust. And it really comes back again to open and honest communication, talk to your folks, but where my brain went, Peg, and I'm not, I'm not sure it answers Pete's question. In fact, I don't think it does. But it's a strategy that we often recommend to clients, this concept of an intra-family loan. So you've got a loved one. Oftentimes I see it in the case of student loans, but it could be any, it could be any debt, a mortgage, whatever. The interest rate or the terms and conditions of the loan are onerous, and a family member, usually a parent, could say, look, I'll pay that off for you and you pay me and you can amortize it over any period that you want, but you can charge an interest rate that's lower, which helps your loved one. And it may be an interest rate that's still higher than what you can make on safe money in a bank. So 
For example, maybe they have a student loan or a mortgage at 8 or 9%. You say, I'll pay it off. You pay me 6%. That's way less than the 8 or 9 that you were paying. But 6% is more than I can earn on a safe investment. So it's a win-win, and you can even amortize it or stretch it out so that the cash flow is palatable to the person with that debt. I don't think that's exactly what Pete's situation was, but that's what I thought of, and that's something that we've recommended to clients frequently before. Denny, do we have time to well, sneak he, in one more? Oh, sorry, Pat. Yeah, one more, thing, one more thing I wanted to say is if Pete is a co-signer, that's a whole different story, right? If you're a co-signer, then um, you have the same obligation uh, to pay. So, Bruce? Yep, yep. Yes, I think we have time, my last couple of minutes of the show, to hear this comment from Jeff. And thank you, Jeff, for your good comments. Uh, It's about being in the sandwich generation. For over three decades, he writes, I've helped care for an aging mother, two disabled siblings, my wife, kids, and grandkids, while working a 60-hour-per-week professional job. Some tips, maybe, for doing this successfully. First of all, leverage the social and health care services from the government. We pay for it via taxes, so use them. Secondly, get help. Leverage family and friends who truly care for these individuals. Third, rely on your faith to help you through inevitable difficulties. Fourth, remember this is just one season of life that changes over time. Seek humor and joy in all things. Stop and smell the roses. And finally, leverage a law firm that specializes in elder care to work through potential paperwork bureaucracies in caring for others. That comes from Jeff. What a great text. Oh, my gosh, Denny. You, you, will you save that for us somehow? And, uh, sure. I, I would like to steal that and use that information. And what a great person. I mean, working that hard and helping so many people, that, that's, that's a saint on earth. What a, what a great what – a, thank you for reading that. Um, Peg, last thoughts go to you. Uh, we got about a minute. Well, I just had goosebumps about that whole story. And, and yeah, the, and, and it just reminded me of how many great people are out there that, you know, that just help in all different ways. So, and we witness that, Bruce, you know, with our clients and, and we live through their lives and, and, you know, um, it, it actually inspired me to be able to work with them and, you know, see how they're handling um, everything in their life, just like Jeff. And so kudos to you, Jeff. That's amazing, Bruce. Absolutely. Thank you, Denny Long. Good to be with you again, sir. Absolutely. We hope you join us again next week. But in the meantime, if you have a financial question in the midweek, we can always uh, accept your calls at 888-6ADVICE. Again, 888-6ADVICE, 24-7. That number is available. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Hope you join us again next week with more of Your Money.